Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
morning, my good morning, my friends. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. It's a wonderful CD, so in support of them, uh, you can order this on uh, uh, Amazon is where I found it, or you can contact Save, S-A-V-A-E dot org, and they're also on Facebook, and they do do live shows, so that's kind of amazing. Anyway, I'm your host, Char, Char McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to provide an open-minded platform that focuses on the tenets. Sundays are a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, and you may use any Bible you wish, of course. And uh, there's also other resources, uh, www.biblia.com. And uh, you can, if you don't have a Bible, you can go on there. And I've had personally many spiritual experiences and in gratitude, uh, I've decided to give back and do Bible studies uh, Sunday mornings. And so far, we're making it straight through the New Testament. And uh, at some point, we might go through the Old Testament. That's going to be kind of difficult. I might just end up back on the New Testament and start all over. Anyway, um, I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. So the call-in number is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sundays is every Sunday, 11 a.m., sometimes Pacific Standard Time, sometimes a little bit earlier. Okay, for our opening prayer, let's say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide. Uh, there's some very, very horrible things going on. And please, let's join in in prayer for them worldwide, all those who suffer. Christians in particular, their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. And I see that through numerous news resources that they're crucifying Christians in Syria and Christians have been removed entirely from Mosul. Please, God, send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect them and all your angels watch over everyone, especially those who have to hide to carry out their Christian faith and have their church ceremonies. We we, we want to let them know in prayer that our thoughts and hopes and prayer are with them that they aren't alone and God never leaves them alone. And our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves and the little children, of course. We also pray the wisdom of our president and the president, rest of our policymakers, and they have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for the problems of suffering all over the world. Uh, Napa Valley, we have been praying for them last couple weeks because my uncle's up there and the earthquakes, and uh, now today there was some flooding in Arizona. And we want to pray for everybody that just to keep calm, and it's Mother Nature at work, and this has happened over and over and over. I remember all the floods in Arizona when I was a little kid, and we're all okay. So uh, just God bless them all, and everybody who has concerns and worries, and the poverty, stricken and the hungry, and we just pray that our mighty angels come and minister to them and give them hope. And I do pray for everybody and your families and also those who are sick and or those who have passed. You know, God rest your soul. And 
to pray for you and yours. And uh, we have been praying for uh, Dr. J of Revolution Radio. You know, he's now out of ICU and he's out of the hospital, amazingly but true. And he's doing really well, and the report is very good on him. So thank you so much for adding to your prayers for uh, Dr. J, and we love him very much. Um, okay, so we have birthdays. We have, first of all, anniversary. So happy anniversary to Robert and Marilyn Salas, very good friends of mine, and uh, just genteel people, and I love them very much. Happy birthday to Simon Parks, Gemma Demir, Sanchez Raquel, Dr. Ketka Nova, uh, Melissa Schroeder, and Mike Bird. Happy birthday, birthday, birthday to all of you, and may God bless and keep you. And uh, that you have a very wonderful and blessed day and a prosperous year ahead. And again, uh, if you have a special prayer request, just let me know. Uh, And let's see. Okay, I have another Bible resource, www.biblegateway.com. And you can also uh, look that up so you can go along with us. Now, remember last week, we were talking about, and chapter 8 was about uh, the uh, baptizing of, let's go back over here. Let me read it so I can just see how it is. Because we were kind of taken aback, but, you know, reading it again, um, I see that uh, there was preaching in Gaza and and there were, Philip in particular was preaching Jesus all over the place, and he's also he baptized a, a eunuch, and uh, it was uh, the point turning point was when he ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down to the water, and Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. So the eunuch was really happy and uh, saw him get lifted up and taken away. And Philip found himself in another city, and he continued to pass through, and he kept preaching the gospel to everyone there. So now we're up to chapter 9. Now, this is the conversion of Paul. So let's start reading it now. So we're on chapter 9. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked, the, asked for the letters from him by the synagogues of the Damascus so that he may be found, so that he may, okay, let me do it again. I'm sorry. I'm a stuttery, stuttery kind of reader. Sorry about that. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any belonging on the, to the way, they call this the way now, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So actually what he's doing here is asking for the legal paperwork to go get some Christians and do away with them. That's what he's asking because he was still breathing threats of murder. So as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without 
any sight, neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen a vision in a a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might gain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at the Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all call who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he has to he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. This is the aftermath of Paul's conversion. And he took food and was strengthened. For Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be baptized and were saying, Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on his name? And who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. For many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But the disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in a wall, lowering him in a large basket. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Sarsus. So the church throughout of all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. And then this is going to be about the conversion of the Gentiles in preparation of Peter. Now, as Peter was traveling through all these regions, he came down also to the saints who were lived at Lydia. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up. And for all who lived at Linda, Lydia, and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, 
which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples having heard that Peter was there, two men to him, imploring him, Do not delay coming to us. So Peter arose and went with him, and when he arrived, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter set them all out and knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up, and calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. Well, that brings us up to 10, so we'll go on to this drama next week. Let's go read the notes now. Wow. Now, now Luke, we're now going back to the study in the notes. Uh, we're on 9, 1 through 19. Luke here records Paul's conversion. It also gives accounts of it to the crowd in Jerusalem, to Herod Agrippa, and in his own writings. Paul refers to it only a few times. He related to the supernatural purpose of God, and he spoke of its suddenness. He also called it an act of new creation by God. He acknowledged the merciful character of it, and he claimed that during it he saw the Lord. He was, therefore, just as qualified as other apostles, for his conversion experience was just as objective a reality as their meetings with the risen Christ before the ascension. And then it's belonging to the way. They're calling the, in the capital W-A-Y, and it's Christians. We, as Christians, belong to the way. Damascus was about 150 miles from Jerusalem. So close was the union of the church with Christ that to persecute the church was to persecute Christ. And then in 9.5 it says, I'm Jesus. In this moment, Paul identified the Lord Yahweh, or Jehovah of the Old Testament, whom he had tempted so zealously to serve, with Jesus of Nazareth, who he had so ferociously persecuted through his saints. The phrase, it is hard for thee to kick against bricks, is not found in most of these these uh, missiles, missiles. Ananias, according to uh, 2212, Ananias was an unimpeachable witness to the reality of Paul's conversion. New Testament believers were first called saints, holy, sit-apart ones. Okay, that was the first time this is ever called, you know, people were called saints was in uh, this part, 9.13. Through Ananias laying his hands on him, Paul was identified with the people he had been persecuting. Imagine this conversion and what it did and how it impacted others around him. Wow. And many days elapsed during the time Paul went to Arabia. So three years had been between his conversion and his going to Jerusalem. Now, Barnabas means son of encouragement, and he was that to Paul. And then the Hellenistic Jews, Greek-speaking Jews who were born in the lands outside Israel. Then Tarsus is the capital of Sicilia, the birthplace of Paul. He remained here five years before being called by Barnabas to work at Antioch. And then Lydia, L-Y-D-D-A, I hope I'm saying that right, is 11 miles southeast of Joppa. 
Sharon is the plain extending southward for 50 miles along the Mediterranean Sea from modern Hassa, which stands on Mount Carmel. So you get the idea where they were. Now, Tabitha, Greek for the same thing, means gazelle. And uh, a tanner was considered to be unclean because he worked with the skins of dead animals. Peter staying with him maybe helped to prepare him to preach to the Gentiles, whom he considered unclean. That's interesting. So then next week we're going to go on to another fascinating chapter, chapter 10, as they continue to go about preaching. So the conversion of Saul, as reported in the text, is one of the most important in Acts. The Spirit leads Luke to record it three times here and in chapters 22 and 26. Saul was an inner circle Jew and held Roman citizenship as well. He understood both worlds. The famous Gamale had instructed him in Jewish law. And not only was he culturally and academically prepared for his coming role as God's international specialist, but he had an irrepressible vitality. Saul threw himself into every task. And then this story, and if you go back and read Galatians 1.14, anyway, this story serves as further proof that the resurrection of the man that hated it most became one of the most artist, ardent proclaimers so it was just like Jesus and God just hooks us all up, you know, take the guy that was a persecutor. Now he's the, the biggest redeemer and going about saving people. So at this point, his name is still Saul. So next week, we're going to find out about the name change. So right now, his personality has changed. So what Luke wants us to understand is that Saul was more than a man on a mission. He was a man with an obsession. He even describes himself as so. Saul desired to be legal in his rampage, as we said, so he was looking for paperwork. So, uh, you know, this is like human nature. I want to do it without killing people, but let's make it legal. Anyway, in this chapter, the way is used six times in Acts to describe Christians. This is the first occurrence. So we now have read a first, and we understand, well, the way was in chapter 9 of Acts. That's where it was first brought up. This is the first occurrence. It is probably based on a statement of Jesus spoken earlier, but recorded years later in John 14:6. And then Damascus is among the world's oldest city. It's even brought up in Genesis. So next week we're going to carry on with chapter 10. And I think we're just so fortunate and lucky to have the Holy Bible to go through and to... Uh, preach from and learn from and uh, it's very exciting to me at first I didn't want to do it either believe me I would just rather just be watching TV and all this in the morning but what's happened for me is things have turned around the more I've read it the more I love it and that uh, the more exciting it is chapter by chapter to find out what's happening next because we're talking about our heritage and the spread of Christianity all throughout the world and I think it's just so beautiful and thrilling to me so I want to thank you again for listening to that and if you don't mind I'm going to read a little story and this is from my you know my my little beloved guidepost book that I've hung on to for years and years and so I'm going to read a little story don't think it don't say it Jackie Clemens and she's from Staten Island New York it's just a little story oh grandma well I can't I was seven years old learning to sew under pet patient tutelage of my grandma Josie and let's see I think I've already read this story let me find another story I'm sorry 
I wish I was a perfect speaker. I wish I didn't make mistakes, but I do. Okay, sorry. Okay, so now I'm gonna read the dazzling darkness. Hopefully, I haven't read this before. My mother's admonition flashed through my mind when the man on the bus to to uh, I think it's Puckett, Thailand, dug two toffees from his pocket and offered them, smiling. But my mother died in 1940 when I was 16, and now in 1983, after more than a decade traveling all over the world, I had long since discounted her warnings. In fact, this well-dressed, well-spoken young man typified the hospitality of my fellow researcher psychologist, Anne Faraday, and I had encountered during the first few weeks offshore islands of Thailand. We had been enjoying a break in our field work in a neighboring Malaysia. We were grateful for the man's assistance in finding the bus and his help of loading our luggage. We couldn't say no to his candy offer. Neither of us suspected him of being a personage of the angel of death, and I mean angel in the full sense of the Christian tradition, for the angel is a messenger from God. Back then, angels seemed like a silly superstition to me as a former mathematician physicist. I had a little patience for the things outside the realm of measurable human existence, even though I had a staunch Christian as far as ethics and social values were concerned. I'd never really understood the lifelong interest in mysticism and religious experience that had been Anne's inspiration for turning her scientific abilities to study of consciousness and dreams. For the past 15 years, I had been collaborating in her research, but mysticism seemed to me having a neurotic escape from real life, perhaps even a symptom of grave mental disorder. I suppose in retrospect that I was a perfect candidate for angelic attention. Lutz had had these in his pocket for a long time, I remarked discreetly, taking a toffee from her mouth and wrapping it in a tissue as he bounced along the road. I noted, and mine too, for certainly had an odd, musty taste. I didn't want to seem rude. The young man was concerned that Anne wasn't eating the candy, so he'd offer her another piece, which she politely declined. Then, the first stop, he hastily got off. Though still morning, the day was steamy and hot, and I began to feel drowsy, and sleep became irresistible. The last thing I remember was my chin hitting my chest. I woke in the hospital with the sky darkening outside, the IV drip and oxygen soldier beside me. Anne was asleep in the camp bed in the far side of what had appeared to be a small private ward. A doctor, a white-coated doctor stood over me. We thought we'd lost you, he said. My first thought was I must be dreaming, and it must be some time for me to grasp the reality of what has happened. Thank goodness I trusted my taste, but we'd probably both be dead, Anne said later as the nurse served us supper. I think the man, please think the man, young man was part of a gang who drugs tourists on buses and trains and robs them. This time he seems to have used an overdose enough to kill, said the doctor. He made himself self-scarce as soon as he could see that I wasn't eating the toffee. Anne had understood immediately what happened when my head slumped on my chest and I began to drool. She assumed it was a simple knockout drop, so laid me across the seat to sleep it off. But when I turned blue from lack of oxygen, she took my pulse and no one was detectable. She appealed to the bus driver who at first thought I was drunk. When Anne convinced him it was an emergency, he reluctantly pulled over and helped her lay my comatose foam form on the grass beside the roadside. Then, then drove off, not about to let a thing like this upset a schedule. Only good luck that a passing van carried a hitch, hitching policeman who enabled her to get to a hospital in Surat, Tainai. There was a staff struggle with four and certain hours before reestablishing my vital signs. For me, to taking this all in, there was something else, something very strange, though I didn't begin to focus on it until the hospital settled down for the night. 
I remained awake and astonished, for I felt as if I'd had enough sleep to last a lifetime. As I sat there propped against the pillow, I began to realize it had been no ordinary unconscious from which I had wakened. Nor was it anything like the out-of-body experiences I've read about people who had been close to death, and experiences in the past I had dismissed when I used those skepticism. It was as if I'd emerged freshly made with all my memories recreated from a vast, dazzling darkness, where there had been nothing yet everything, an unbelievable aliveness beyond space and time. It was like being reborn, and I remembered an old nursery rhyme. Where did you come from, baby dear, out of everywhere into here? That wonderful everywhere was right there with me in that hospital room, almost as if I was producing my consciousness by shining through the back of my head. Wow. I felt so palpably real that I put my hand up to the back of my skull, wondering if the doctors had thought off part of it, yet it wasn't the least of a frightening feeling, more like a removal of a cataract from my soul, letting me see the world and myself properly for the first time. That dark, lovely radiance seemed to reveal the essence of everything as holy, even the discolored sheets, the peeling paint, the smell from the bathroom, the coughs, the groans from patients in adjoining rooms. From the recesses of my memory emerged a darkness or an image out of the Bible of the whole universe coming into being from darkness upon the face of the deep and the Creator finding it all, every bit of it good, my scientist's mind immediately balked at the idea that I, of all people, might be having some kind of religious experience and sought an alternative explanation. A lingering effect from the poison, perhaps, but no. The doctor said some hours back that the stuff had been metabolized out of my system. So was I just feeling extreme joy of living after surviving another close brush with death? I got my biggest jolt yet, for I realized that were I told now that I was to die any minute, I would not survive the hour. I simply wouldn't care. Somehow my fear of dying had been completely removed. It was as if the wonder of life was sufficient to itself, moment by moment, no matter what the future might bring in this world or any other. The world eternity echoed in my head and my mind finally surrendered to the idea of a mystical experience. I sensed something like a gentle chuckle in the dark, and I remember Dante's famous vision of entering paradise and seeing the smile of the universe. For the first time in my life, I understood what he meant. How would I find words to tell Anne the next day? I still wasn't contemplating the possibility of this wonderful consciousness had come to stay and would be with me the rest of my life. Today, 11 years later, the, presence, the sense of the presence is still with me. It's with me right now as I gaze out my window in Sydney at the cliffs in the ocean. It's with me as I type this in the hardness of my chair as I'm sitting on Almost astonishing of all, it's the pain in the back of my neck which warns me that I have been bending over too long and need a rest. For more than a decade, my colleague Anne has been able to study my ongoing religious experience. Perhaps most extraordinary has been the discovery that God can transform even the experience of pain. It's not easy to explain, but somehow I experience these things like sore throats, stiff joints from inside, where pain isn't my enemy at all, but part of God's marvelous creation. At an age where most people retire, I have been given a whole new life. I've read every book about mysticism I could lay my hands on, and I'm now convinced that the first presence is the faith is all about. For me, the great discovery has been that Jesus was speaking the simple truth when he said, the kingdom of God is here, in and amongst us all the time. Angels are, many for, are any forces that God uses to make us, to wake us to the kingdom of presence. For me, 
closeness to death was just that mediated by would-be thief on a bus in Thailand. Shortly after his return to Australia, John Wren Lewis came across the night, a poem by the 7th century Christian poet Henry Vaughan. The final stanza reads, There is in God, some say, a deep and dazzling darkness. As men here say it's late and dusky because they see not all clear. Oh, for that night where I with him might live and invisible and dim. I want to thank you so much for being with us tonight. And why don't we close out this meeting. I'm so happy you attended with our traditional serenity prayer. After a moment of silent meditation for those who are out there still sick and suffering, which may include ourselves, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So please join us next week for Sacred Sunday. Love to have you. 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And in closing, may God bless you, keep you in his loving arms that you may have the strength to face whatever it is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. I love you so much. And may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Remember, you can always message me if you have any concerns or have a request or Anything else that you want to discuss, by my friends, happy trails to you. Thank you for being with us this morning. God bless you. Bye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.